live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So what do you say we start at the top of our number one with a pro football beef? Because we've got some fresh Angus between active NFL players this week, and it's not just between any two dudes. I'm talking about beef between a $230 million alleged franchise quarterback and a member of the 2010s All-Decade team. But to set this all up, we've got to go back to that press conference. That press conference gem that Kyler Murray dropped on Sunday, right after the loss to the Chargers, instead of taking responsibility for a critical Fourth down INT, Kyler passed the buck once again, and he blamed it on the scheme. Schematically, I mean, they kind of, we, we were kind of. That's incredible. Like, I still can't believe that quote. We've had a lot of good post-game quotes at pressers so far this year, but that one might be the best one to date. Quote, schematically. We were kind of effed. Schematically, I mean, they kind of, we, we were kind of. Your quarterback said that. Schematically, we were kind of effed. After that same quarterback threw a critical pick. Never mind throwing Cliff under a bus. He threw him under the bus, backed over him a few times, threw him off a cliff, and then went down and lit him on fire. Aaron Rodgers coming off the field and scolding Matt LaFleur like he's a child is one thing. But Kyler Murray coming off a critical pick late and saying that schematically we were kind of effed is something entirely different. That's different level material. I mean, that's an incredible quote for team content. But an absolutely terrible look for team Cardinals. As if Team Cardinals could look any worse right now. So that was the quote that had people talking, including former teammate Patrick Peterson, who's got a pod with Darren McFadden, and they were discussing that very quote on All Things Covered, their podcast this week, and this is what they had to say about it. Yeah, you think Cliff Kingsbury may be the scapegoat in regards to their struggles? Ain't no maybe. He will. He will be. Yeah, <laughs> he will be. Uh-huh. He will be. And the crazy thing about it, the guy who hired him will still have a job. Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds about right. I, I Initially, I was thinking that they probably would stick with him because of the contractual agreement he has. But now just seeing how bad they've been. And they man, they start hired court. a coach after, after, after a season, man. Yeah. And he signed, he signed that extension last March. But see, just verbally now, vocally, Kyler Murray is talking about, and I don't like how he's doing that. I think he should keep some things privately, but it tells me he doesn't care about the head coach, his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying... Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I got it. <laughs> so... <laughs> hey, I can't, I can't argue that I don't know him personally. You played with him for a few years, so I got to take your word for it. Uh-oh! P2, quote... Uh -oh. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody except Kyler Murray. That's just a fact. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> quote, end of quote. Like, I didn't think it was possible, but I think the P2 just one-upped Kyler's we were schematically kind of effed 
when he said Kyler Murray don't care about nobody except Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. I mean, damn, that's spicy. Spicy as hell. Because that's not just a high-profile, active player going in on an opponent. Peterson and Murray were teammates for two years. Peterson and Murray were Cardinals captains together. Now, I'm not saying that Pat Pete is Pat Perfect. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that Pat Pete is not guessing or assuming anything here because dude knows the vibes in that building because dude was in that building. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't have an ax to grind, but I am saying that he was in that building. And he knows the vibes, and he's saying that the vibes are that Kyler is all about Kyler and only about Kyler. And the thing is, watching Kyler, listening to Kyler, it's pretty hard to dispute that, right? And this is coming from a dude who hyped him hard, hard. And that dude is me. So at this point, how the hell can you not be alarmed about Kyler and his act? And it's got nothing to do, of course, with talent and ability. Nobody's ever questioned that. And nobody's questioning that right now. Not even Patrick Peterson. He's not questioning that right now. No one is saying he's not a baller. Nobody is saying he's not a freakish, one-of-a-kind athlete. However, many are questioning Murray's professionalism and his accountability and his ability to lead. And right now, those are all fair questions. And that's why he just got flamed by Pat Pete. Again, maybe Peterson has got an axe to grind with the Cardinal organization or Kyler Murray personally or both. But at this point, it is nearly impossible to defend Murray. You can't just dismiss this as one bitter ex-teammate with a podcast to promote. Not when you remember that Murray is the same dude who was totally humiliated this offseason when the team put in the first ever mandatory study clause into his contract. A clause that actually required him to study game material for four hours per week in order to receive a, quote, credit. A clause that actually said that he was not allowed to study while he was distracted by the TV, the internet, or video games. I mean, hell, I wouldn't even put that clause in my teenage son's contract. And believe me, he needs it. I should. I mean, it's something you would do to your kid, a teenage kid, right? They had to put a video game bit of language in my dude's nearly quarter of a bill contract. Hugh Freeze's social media contract language cannot believe how absurd that is. Like I said yesterday, parental controls didn't want any of that. If you have to draw up a contract that includes language that says your new head coach and program leader cannot access his own social media platforms, then maybe you should probably stop drawing up that contract. I mean, can't you just see Hugh like this, like in the facility, just Twitter searching himself? Obviously, they can, or they wouldn't have put that in the contract. And if you have to draw up a four-hour-per-week study clause in a $230 million quarterback contract, maybe you should be ripping up that contract too, especially when you still have years left on your current deal. But, but, the cards wanted the guy, they wanted the deal, they gave him what he wanted. 
And by the way, they even ripped that clause out of that contract. So where does that lead them? You would think that this would be the biggest wake-up call ever for Kyler. Not only a wake-up call, but a call to shut everybody up. A call to prove everybody wrong. A call to show I am that guy. That no one is more prepared. No one is more accountable. This is a guy who, or I am a guy who owns everything. Leads from the front. Puts the organization on my back. It's all bullcrap. You know, the type of thing that $230 million franchise quarterbacks do. But that's not what's happening. Far from it. No. What we have here is a bleep show. A 4-8 and eight bleep show of a football team. And Kyler is blaming his failures on the team being schematically effed. And you've got a high-profile former teammate proclaiming that Kyler Murray doesn't care about anything but Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. So let's just say this is not good. Not good. This is below not good. Below not good. This is bad. This is really bad. It's looking more and more like this train in Arizona is going to derail any second now if it hasn't already, and it's going to cost guys their jobs. Because clearly Kyler is not doing anything to own it or defuse it. Not when he's clapping back on Peterson on Twitter the way he did. Kyler clapped back saying, quote, this isn't true. You want some weird bleep at P2. You got my number. If you really felt like this as a, quote, big bro or, quote, mentor, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me so your podcast can grow. End of tweet. Oh, yeah, that right there. That is the best sound ever. That is the best sound ever. It's also a reminder that it's time to knock out that new business idea and to start with Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Forget the off-season work. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anybody from anywhere. So whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers, it is time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. And with Shopify, you will customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that create diehard fans. Shopify can help you with all of that. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is on your team every step of the way. Find out for yourselves. Sign up right now for a free trial at shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase. Again, you want to go to Shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E, and start selling online today. I don't know where I would be without them. Shopify.com slash Rome. I mean, like I said, this is some prime Angus beef. Problem is, he's not the only one saying it, my dude. Hence the study clause in your contract. And it doesn't really seem like Pat Pete sees himself as your mentor or big bro. It sounds to me like he doesn't like you at all. Hate to say it because this here has always been a huge Cardinals house.
but that whole organization right now is, quote, already down. DeAndre Hopkins also tried to fight back on Twitter saying, hey, man, you don't kick a guy when he's already down. And notice that Hopkins did not say, Nuke did not say what Peterson said is not right. He said, you don't kick a guy when he's already down. Seems to me the entire organization now is already down. Bottom line, I would tell like Jets quarterback Zach Wilson that he needs to take a hard look in the mirror, but I'm not sure that would even matter because I don't know if that guy can even play. But I know that Murray can. I know Murray can. I just don't know whether or not he's capable of doing the hard work on himself or capable of the self-introspection that he absolutely has to have right now. Kyler, my dude, this is not just one disgruntled former teammate coming for you. You are supposed to be a franchise quarterback, the face of the organization. You were drafted at the top of the draft, to be just that guy. They're paying you to be just that guy. It is time to start acting and leading just like that guy. Stop blaming everybody else and start owning everything. Just because they can't fire you like they can other people, including the head coach, does not mean that you're not at a serious crossroads. You are. And if you don't know that, that means you're never going to figure it out. And the fact is some guys never do. My man, take a look in the mirror. It's go time. You need to have a sense of urgency about this and stop passing the buck and stop blaming everybody else. Lead from the front, dude. You are at a crossroads. And yes, I'm a little bent. I was one of those guys front and center backing this guy, hyping this guy. But he's let down way more important people than me. 1-800-636-8686. It seemed only Nashville to start a beef day with a big-time beef in the NFL. Where do you come out on this? Where do you come out on this? Legitimate beefs or does Patrick Peterson have an ax to grind? Does he have his own issues he should be worrying about? Where do you come out on this? Cardinal fan, what do you think? Football fan, what do you think? That is some prime Angus beef right there between a couple of former teammates and big-time players. 1-800-636-8686. And you know what? Somewhere, somewhere Charlie is saying, what about me? What about me? I'm not wrong. I wasn't wrong. Not good. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails With online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help you regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app and see terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Kelvin Sampson is my guest. Kelvin, it is so good to have you back. How are you, my guy? Jim, it's always good to talk to you. If, if I'm on the Jim Rose show, that means my team's doing pretty good. So it's good to see you, brother. No, you always say that, my guy, but that's not true. Your team is always doing well. However, your team is doing extremely well right now. You're number one. And that's the first time that program has been number one since 1983. Cool in and of itself, but how much better is it, Kelvin, that it was your daughter, Lauren, who informed you that the program is top ranked? That was cool, Jim. That's uh, one of the things that, I'm proud of the culture that we built here, but being able to do it with your son and your daughter, uh, 
playing such vital roles just just makes it uh, special. Karen, Karen and I, you know, we talk about our blessings and how lucky we've been and how things have fallen our way. And uh, we've been able to uh, be in some great places. But um, I was I was locked in the staff meeting um, Monday morning. And uh, when I finally came out, um, Lauren was walking toward me and gave me a high five and said, hey, we're just ranked number one. Then she goes, uh, that's pretty cool. I said, that's pretty cool, isn't it? So that was a good moment. I love that. Kelvin Sampson joining us. Kelvin, you know, I understand that there is a ton of work still to be done, but it really is astonishing what you've built there. You and I have talked this entire time since you arrived. When you think back to what you inherited and what that program was like then and what it's like right now, what kind of thoughts do you have? Well, it was probably in worse shape than I thought when I um, got here. You know, when the big when the big um, Big Eight and the Southwest Conference merged to form the Big Twelve, and they took four Texas schools. It was the Texas schools that were in the Southwest Conference that didn't make it to the Big Twelve. That was kind of got called, called in no man's land, and so you started bouncing around conferences, and you wind up in Conference USA. Um, you know, and that just never resonated with the fans here. Uh, the basketball program just continued to sink. Uh, prior to my arrival, they had four coaches in 16 years. So when we got here, the first thing that we had to do is we had to get the administration to buy in. And um, now I've always thought, you know, players and coaches win games, but administrators win championships. So my, my vision was, you know, I put it out there. How, how are we going to win a championship? And then here's how we're going to do it. So, all coaches have a vision when they go in, but unless the administration buys in, uh, it's not going to happen. So building the practice facility, which was a $25 million investment, and then right behind that, uh, flowing right into to renovating old Hoffines into the Fertitta Center uh, was kind of a centerpiece. But, you know, I, I, I've, I give so much uh, credit to especially uh, Mac Rhodes, who hired me, and got it started. He left for Missouri, I think, four months later. And then Hunter Juracek uh, came in right behind him. And Hunter finished it. And then he left to go to Arkansas. And now we have Chris Pesman. But Hunter and uh, Mac are the ones that did all the heavy lifting. Um, um, president Couture, Renew Couture, our president, signed off on everything. Uh, but, you know, that stuff doesn't happen uh, uh, Jim, to everybody, we we got lucky here, and that people believed in us, and we're able to get them to buy into our vision. And then we started winning. You know, uh, the year that we uh, was was out of the Hoffines as they were renovating, I think it was a 16 month project. We played over at Texas Southern, some games in front of 100 people, some games in front of just our um, families and cheerleaders and band. I was like that the first three or four years. Now, when you look at it, you know, we've uh, sold out our arena uh, last two years. We have a waiting list for season tickets, and um, it is a sense of pride. And, and I'm so happy for our fans and our alumni, the people that care about this program, that they have something to be proud of. Because whatever you accomplish is done together, and it's done for other people. And as long as you remember that, um, that it, it's about give, giving this program to uh, the, uh, the city of Houston and, and letting them be proud of it. That's something that I'm proud of. 
Kelvin Sampson joining us, the head coach of the Houston Cougars. They are top ranked. You know, in addition to all that, Kelvin, I appreciate everything you just said. I also know that you've got a great deal of pride and appreciation for the players that help you build this thing to get it where it is right now, which brings me to this current group. How much are you enjoying coaching this particular group of players you have? It's a great question, Jim, because I love them. I really, really love this team because they love each other. We, we have uh, uh, 12 kids on scholarship. We have a scholarship we did not use, and I have one walk-on. So we have 13 players. Um, they're never late. They're always on time. Their attitudes are always the right attitude. Uh, our best players are our highest character guys, uh, and they're all high character guys. They're, they, they work hard. Uh, we have weaknesses. We have some areas that we have to continue to work to shore up. But the two things that I push most wherever I've been is your attitude and your effort. Uh, and I would give this group a, a uh, in both categories. Our best player is Marcus Sasser. Um, and, uh, you know, Marcus is just quite a assassin. He's, he has, a, he has a, a joy about him that's kind of magnetic. He doesn't say a lot. He's very quiet. Uh, the guy that talks a lot. We have two guys that are talkers. Uh, Jamal Shedd is a talker in a good way, and so is um, J1 Roberts. But the rest of these guys, they just get along. Um, they're all going to graduate unless they go pro, uh, and they're all going to be great. So um, nothing but love for this group. The, this team. This team. This team is a good team. Now whether we can you know, get better, you know, there's a lot of uh, battles out there to be fought, but I'm really enjoying the, the journey with this group. Kelvin Sampson, my guess. Kelvin, I understand it's only December 1st. I mean, I'm going to be very clear about that. It's only December 1st. I think it's an amazing accomplishment in and of itself that you're top ranked, but it is December 1st. You're top ranked. Do you feel like yeah. you're the best team in the country right now? No, no. And if I was, I'd probably say no, but, but <laughs> we're not, you know, I, you know, I just watched, uh, but, you know, I, I don't know that I want to be the best team right now. You know, there's a lot of teams that, that hit their ceiling early, whereas I'd rather hit our ceiling late. I watched Arizona, for instance, play in the uh, Maui Classic. I watched Creighton. I watched um, uh, San Diego State in that tournament. Those are really, really good teams. Uh, Purdue, Connecticut. Uh, Duke's going to get better. I watched uh, Indiana last night play North Carolina. I think Indiana's outstanding. Uh, so there's a lot of teams that, that's, um, that's probably ahead of us right now. Uh, and, and we realize we we have no, we're not arrogant or cocky over here. A lot of times you get ranked number one because of where you get ranked in the preseason. The teams ahead of you lose, you move up. That's the way it is. So it's just it was just our turn. When we lose, um, and we will lose, it, somebody else will take our turn. But you know, we're, it's a sense of pride. Our fans should feel great about it. It is an, it is a great accomplishment. Um, the, the way we earned it is the way everybody earns it. Um, but uh, we're not going to stay undefeated, obviously. And the team that follows us in North Carolina had it. They lost. Uh, we have it now. Uh, when we lose, somebody else will get it. So it's a rental property. And uh, we're going to cut the grass and take care of the flowers and keep the house clean until somebody else gets it, then we'll move out. <laughs> I love the analogy. It is a rental property. So, Kelvin, one more thing. You've been on the other side of this many times, and again, it's early, but let me ask you this. Right now, you're top dog. Would you rather be a top seed, or would you rather be the team getting ready to play the top seed? 
Whoa, that's a good question. Well, last year, you know, in the last five years, we've been all over the place with our seeding. I think last year we were a five seed and um, we played the uh, Big Ten champion and then we played the Pac-12 uh, champion. Uh, and coaches will will look for look into any nook and cranny for a way to motivate their players. Um, if you're the one C, that means you're really, really good. Uh, you've, you're, you're unbelievably talented uh, and you're good enough to win. But if you're playing those guys, you can use that to your advantage. So um, I don't think I've ever been a one seed. Uh, so I'm probably more comfortable being the guy that in the locker room where you're getting your kids motivated to go knock somebody off. So um, um, I'm good with both, don't you? <laughs> Where you're one seed, it means you're good, right? That's it, Kelvin. Like we used to talk about this when we owned a lot of thoroughbred racehorses. We'd go into a race as the favorite, and we'd kind of sweat that, like, wow, we're even money. But we would tell ourselves, better to be even money and the one to beat than to be 20 to one. Better to be in that spot. He is the head coach of the Houston Cougars, nine years yeah. in now. And what a turnaround. I mean, they are top ranked. They are 7 or no. They've got a big one coming up on Saturday against St. Mary's. Kelvin, I appreciate you. I appreciate that accomplishment. And it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for doing it. I always appreciate you, uh, Jim. And um, I'm proud of you too, brother. I remember where we both started and the battles we've had to get where we are. So much love. Much love and much respect, Kelvin. I appreciate you saying that. And well said. <laughs> Well said. You're right. We both have overcome a few battles. Kelvin Sampson on top. Hey, Jim Rome here. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. I'm not kidding. Try a pizza on the egg. It'll amaze you. Stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg. It's a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It's simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source, so there's no need to plug anything in. And with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. It's a bad week for Russell Wilson. And the thing that's amazing to me about that is, you know, before he went there, even though he was not what he had been last year, we're talking about a guy that was – Pretty much untouchable, like a little bit different, a little cringy, but an amazing player, right? An all-time great. And it's just insane to me to see what has happened to this guy, what's happened to his game, what's happened to the way he's viewed, the way he's talked about, the topic he's become on this program nationally. I mean, I, I can't really, I'm trying to think of a, a, a like example or an apt comparison, and it's just not coming to me. Like, another week and another really tough time for Cringerous. The week started with his teammate, Mike Purcell, going viral for screaming in his face during Denver's loss to Carolina. I mean, a pretty hideous loss. A pretty pathetic loss. He was outplayed by Sam Darnold, who came off the bench out of nowhere. 
to lead them to that win. And even Darnold wasn't asked to do very much and still outplayed Cringerous. So Purcell did what I think most Bronco fans have wanted to do all season long. And what most of us assumed that most every Bronco player has also wanted to do all season long. Air this dude out. So it was not all that shocking when Tom Pelissero reported this week that Commander Cringe has, quote, lost some people around that team. He has lost some people in that locker room. End of quote. No way. What? You see my shocked face? No way. I'm like that shocked emoji. I'm making a face. Check this. No way. So you mean the the Bronco locker room does not like hearing Broncos country? Broncos country. Let's ride. Every 40 seconds since training camp started. Or Broncos country. Let's ride. After another game where they scored 10 points. Broncos country. Let's ride. After another terrible loss. You mean they don't like that? You mean to tell me they don't enjoy the dude doing high knees and calisthenics on team flights? Are you telling me that his teammates are not impressed with his eight touchdowns in 10 games and his 59% completion percentage? I mean, that blows my mind. I mean, what more do these dudes want? He's only on a quarter of a bill contract. The organization only bet their entire future on this dude who looks completely washed and embarrasses pretty much everybody every time he speaks. Reality is, I think we've all been waiting for that report for months now, right? The only shock is that it took as long as it did for it to finally drop. So, you'd think that Coach Can't Hack It would have a better response prepared when he hit the podium yesterday given he had to know that this is the way it is and that report was coming. But then again, you would only think that if you knew nothing about Coach Can't Hack It. Because unlike the legend, Jameis, this dude is never prepared. Yeah, you know, I heard heard that a little bit. Uh, I mean, to me, it's all gossip. I mean, I know how this locker room, we have a fantastic locker room. Um, When you look at a guy like Russ, I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, he works... I've never seen somebody work that hard. I've never seen somebody uh, try to embrace a team like he has uh, while he's here. I mean, just just from everything that he does, from walkthroughs to helping. I mean, how, how he is in the community. I mean, Russ is awesome, and, and we just need to do better as a team. It, it's that simple. And all that stuff, you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, you know, I love Russ. He should have just ended that with Broncos country, let's ride. Country, let's ride. Dude, did you just say that you love Russ? I love Has Russ. anybody sounded? When was the last time somebody not named? I mean, when was the last time anybody sounded that uncomfortable at a podium? Think about that for a second. When was the last time somebody who was not accused of using spider attack sounded that uncomfortable at the podium? Ever? Um, you know, I love Russ. I love the way he just jammed in a I love Russ at the end of that word salad answer that didn't even really address the question. That's just gossip. I love Russ. Really, love Nate, Russ. do you? 
because Russ is making you look horrible every single week. You love Russ. You know, it is it is what it is. Um, you know, I what, love Russ. What is it? What is it, Nate? You're having trouble figuring this out, so let me help you. It is what it is. It is what it is. I don't know what's more insulting. You slamming that cliche in there? Or you slamming it at the very end? I love Russ. I love Russ. It is what it is. Let me tell you what it is, dude. You know what it is? It's this dude leading you right to the guillotine. That's what it is, dude. Russ is steering you directly into NFL head coaching infamy. It is what it is. That's what it is, dude. Oh, but you love him. Yeah, I understand that Russ works hard. We know this. Hell, he's doing jumping jacks and burpees in the aisle on team flights. We know he works hard. We know he's committed. However, that's got nothing to do with the fact that he might be the cringiest dude there is. And a number of his teammates apparently are already sick of him and the cringe. And according to Twitter, he has more bathrooms in his home than he does touchdown passes on the year. But the best that you can offer up as head coach to a report that the locker room is split is, it is what it is, that's gossip, I love him. I love Russ. I mean, like, this dude's pretty weird, and he's driving his teammates crazy, and he works really hard, and they have nothing to show for it, except a pitiful season, but you love him. Russ is awesome, man. Tell you what, Nate can't hack it. Stop trying to tell me Russ is awesome. Russ is going to get you fired. Russ well, is you're awesome. going to get you fired. And Russ is going to get you fired. And stop telling me Russ is awesome. Russ is awesome. And like, if you love the guy, that's on you. Just whatever you do, don't tell me Russ is awesome. Russ is not awesome. Russ is 29th in the league in passer rating. That's not awesome. Russ is cringy. That is not awesome. Cringy on the field and off the field and up and down the aisle of the team's charter. Not awesome. The only way I can take up for him at all this week is just to say that I don't care who went to his birthday party or not. Captain Cringe actually turned 34 in the middle of this crappy week, and Nine News in Denver reported that only about half the team attended his birthday party Tuesday night. Oh, his teammates didn't come to his birthday party. They must have a lot of leftover goodie bags left on the staircase. I bet the dudes that did go got to leave with so many more party balloons. I mean, can we get real? There are lots of reasons to believe that Russ is losing the locker room. All the reasons. All the reasons except the fact that only half the team showed up to his birthday party. This is the National Football League, not the sixth grade. I almost want to say that I'm impressed that half the team actually did show up to a Tuesday night birthday party on their off day. It's like the ultimate glasses half full, half empty argument. Did half the team show up or did half the team boycott and blow him off? I guess it all depends on your perception. Me, I'm a glasses half full cat. You know me. I'm extraordinarily positive. I see the glass is half full. Instead of seeing this as evidence that he lost half the team, 
I prefer to see this as half the team still believing in Commander Cringe. That is, if you care at all about adult birthday parties, which I don't at all. I really don't need them as evidence that guys are already sick of cringerous. You know why? He had an adult birthday party. Their year is going to hell, and yet he had an adult birthday party. Another reason he's cringerous. You know why this guy is losing the locker room? It's not because it is what it is, and it's not gossip. It's because he's playing like complete and total ass. That's why. It is what it is. It is what it is. But hey, Coach Can't Hack It, I know you love him. Coach Can't Hack It loves him. I love Russ. So at least Russ has that going for him, at least until Coach Can't Hack It is fired, which is going to happen any second now and should have happened already. And I'm never looking to get anybody fired. Dude, could that guy have sounded any more uncomfortable up at the podium answering those questions? You know, it is, it is what it is. Um, you know, I love Russ. Like I said, that's a good dude. That's actually one of the best dudes. Really good dude, really poor head coach. I mean, you got to be the guy to get up there. When you're the head coach and just own that moment. Even if you spin that moment... You got to own that moment. That's not owning that moment. Well, and all that stuff, you know, it is, it is what it is. What stuff? Um, the, the fact you have the worst offense in the NFL, you mean that stuff? The fact that you went into last week's game against Carolina, averaging like 13 a game, and then put up 10 against Carolina, you mean that stuff? I love Russ. You mean Russ? having more bathrooms in his mansion than he does touchdown passes, according to Twitter? You mean that stuff? You know, it is. It is what I know. I know. I know. It is what it is, Nate. It is what it is. When we come back, we're going to talk some Nebraska football. Matt Rule is the head football coach there now. He's going to join us. I want to reset my conversation also with Joe Montana. If it sounds like uh, I'm proud of that and had a good time with him, it's true. I am proud of that and had a great time with him. Joe Montana, reset of that conversation. That's episode 245 of the Jim Rome podcast. And then right after the show, the big head, James Kelly and I, are going to track and then push out Jim Rome's big head bets. Tough week. Looks like it's going to be a really tough week around the NFL. Who you got? Who do you like? Look for that. 1-800-636-8686. One thing right here. Pella Rome. Sounds like Coach Can't Hack It was the guest of honor at Captain Cringe's birthday party. He probably helped Russ blow out his candles right after he told him he loved him. I love Russ. (laughs) Brad in the 360. I wonder if they had those candles, those trick candles that come back on. That you can't blow out. (laughs) I'm talking with Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com, who is describing the businesses that have benefited from a tax refund via the Employee Retention Credit, the ERC through the IRS. What kind of companies have come through as a result of hearing me talk about this message on the air? Can you give me some examples? We have a uh, Best Pizza. It's in Brooklyn, New York. 12 employees. We were able to qualify them for $56,000. We were able to gap another $56,000 for them, and they were ecstatic. We had a medical professional company in San Diego with 250 employees give
get $3.5 million. Their workforce was deemed non-essential by the government. And so they had a huge revenue decrease and that's how they qualified. And they, they are one of the groups that really maximized this credit. We've got a group in Kansas that's also an employment agency. They've got 72 employees. We were able to get them $167,000. And that's just three of the companies that OmegaTaxCredits.com has helped. There is time still for you to apply and determine if your small business qualifies for a tax refund like this. You've weathered the pandemic and the economy, so see if you qualify. OmegaTaxCredits.com. Hey, Jim. Speaking of birthdays, my beef is with the inconsiderate parents who invite couples without children to their kids' birthday parties. Why do you think we didn't have kids in the first place? Headstrom Bacon. All right, off and running. There you go. And Rip City AK is in. Snagger, my beef is with the idiots that feel the need to take and then post a picture of the temperature gauge in their car. Minus 10 or 100. Nobody cares. If we live near you, we already know. If we don't, we don't give a damn. Now get back to driving, idiots. I've done that before. But you know what? He's got a point. Tony and SLC, quote, My beef is with these self-anointed cheerleaders at sports games. Some tool with courtside seats who turns to the crowd and waves their arms up to remind people to cheer. Hey, jackass. We all are aware of when and how to cheer without your help. Sit down. I like that. Romeo. My beef is pet-friendly hotels. I recently dropped 500 bucks per night only to see fat people with their dogs in the lobby. And as I checked in, Two Dobermans are exiting the room I have just been given. Leave your smelly, hair-shedding dog at home, you socially unaware bag. Haley in San Francisco. All right, now that's a beef. That's personal. Haley's pissed. And not just with dog owners, but, quote, fat dog owners. Romy, my beef, is with want to hear something gross? Guy, first of all, don't start a story like that. Second, when I say no, I do not. Don't continue your stupid story. No, I don't care that you think you have a spider bite on your ass and you think it's from your workout shorts that you wear every day that are downstairs next to the bike. Listen, take your dirty ass to the laundromat, son. Ryan Erie, DB the Rocket Guy, Jimmers, my beef is with your earbuds. You're a Hall of Fame announcer, and you have to keep adjusting them. Come on, at Alvin Deloro, get my man some earpieces that stay in his ears. Hey, Dave, if that's your beef, you can only imagine how pissed I am. I mean, straight up, dude, I am so pissed. I hate it. I hate it. Every day, I fight these bitches. I hate it. Alvin's like, yeah, yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for pointing that problem out, Dave. We didn't know that was an issue, Dave. We haven't tried to fix that, Dave. Yeah, I know, dude. It's a terrible look. And can I tell you, it's not easy to do the show either when they keep popping out of my ears. We're trying. And yes, I'll own it. 
Uh, instead of my saying we're schematically effed, I should just say, you know what? I should have gotten a molded earpiece long ago or thrown on some over-ear cans long ago. It's fair. You know what? Alvy, it's fair. He's right. I've got the same beef, bro. Difference is I can do something about it, and I haven't. Jim Tendo, 64. My beef is with my idiotic friends who do the dumbest pranks for social media. My loser friend farted on my bifocals, and now I have pink eye. Now everybody at work thinks that I'm high off my ass and drowning in the lettuce. At least now when I'm burning the hash, my wife will have no idea. Signed, V Indica Fee. Hey, V, you know what my beef is? When you make up stupid beefs. That's my beef. That and my ear pods. Earbuds, I should say. Bernie G, 808-316-88. Hey, Bernie, when you submitted for your handle, did they hit you with one of those do-you-want-difficult-password options? Dude, seriously, your handle is at Bernie G, 808-316-88. My beef, my wife takes five minutes to answer a yes or no question. I've got a feeling that you are not the only spouse, wife, or husband who's got that beef. I will give you this, though, Burn Dog. At least your beef is much more succinct and concise than your handle. I'll give you that. At Patria, 1818. My beef, pompous intellectual dorks who use sans instead of without. It's only a freaking preposition. You don't need a fancy French word. War English being a Germanic, not a Romance language. Damn, Mike, easy. Snags. My beef is with SoCal baseball parents and their cold weather gear. Listen, playing a 5 p.m. game in Orange County does not require your two blankets and gas heater blowing on you. You're dressing like you're hunting buffalo on the Great Plains in January. Down it back a notch. War Eagle, Clubber and HP. Dude, do not agree. Do not agree. I'm one of those parents. Hey, Clubber, you dial it the hell back notch. I do not agree, man. When the winds kick up here, I'm in, dude, I'm in Orange County with you. 59 feels like 29 at night for baseball games. I don't know why the hell that is. I am that guy. I layer up. For high school baseball games in the 50s. I don't know why it feels that cold. It just does. Broham, you know what? Do me a favor. Ignore my stand-up heat lamp that I roll out to the yard to watch my kid get lit up on the bump. Speaking of my kid getting lit up on the bump, I come home yesterday and Logan's car is in the driveway. Very unusual. That's not right. Like, dude, you're... That car should not be in the driveway that time of day. So I come home, do some work, do a nice long ride on the Pelly, do some more work. Haven't seen the kid, haven't heard from the kid. He finally rolls downstairs. And I'm like, hey, bro, are you high? 
Or have you been sleeping for four hours? He's like, yo, Pop, what up? Just been napping it out. I'm like, are you going to eat now? He's like, yeah, I think that's the plan. Come to find out the kid missed baseball practice. I'm like, what? What? How did he miss baseball practice? He slept through it. I'm like, Logan, set your bleeping alarm. How do you sleep through baseball practice? And then he started with some convoluted nonsense about, well, you know, Dad, Pop, you got the timer. uh, Are you really going to do that? You're going to tell me there's the timer and then there's the alarm clock and and, wrong answer, son. You slept through practice? Are you kidding me with that? I would love to try that out. Hey, clones, how do you think that would go with you, with my boss? Yet, sorry I missed the show. I slept through practice because, you know, I mean the show, because, you know, the timer. Oh, okay. Why didn't you say so? It's all good, Logs. Go eat 8,000 calories. Should have blamed it on the scheme, son. You were schematically effed. Hey, Jim, my beef is with essential oils. (laughs) And we already covered essential oils guy. My beef is with essential oils guy at the gym. All I want to do is get in a run, swim a few laps, and finish things off in the sauna. Not be asphyxiated by essential oils guy, seasonal pumpkin spice, eucalyptus stink. Drag it, old man. No one wants to inhale your home-brewed apothecaries. Please stop asking, quote, if it's cool. Because it's never cool. What are the Buffalo Bills? Damn, Brent. You stink. Used a lot of hard words in that. But that was good, though. Hey, Van Smack. I've got beef with my sister-in-law. Every freaking Thanksgiving was sitting around enjoying pumpkin pie when she starts about hot flashes and menopause. If that isn't uncomfortable enough, then the mother-in-law chimes in with her stories about that. We are here to give thanks, not lament the passing of youth. Thanks. Mark, in parts unknown. The written beefs are good today. Brian and San Pedro, quote, Yo, Rome. I got beef with people who can't let food on their plate touch other food on their plate. The steak can't touch the potatoes. The potatoes can't touch the vegetables. Hey, dummy, it's all going to the same place. Avery Gwynn tweets, also got beef with my cats absolutely nuking the litter box right after I clean it especially when they don't bury it so it fills the office like a cursed poopery. You know, that's so funny. Dodger Jano has the same beef about the cats not covering up their business. Seamus27, quote, Jim, my beef is with people who talk on the phone while checking out at the store. Such a bag move. To the person working behind the counter, not to mention everyone in line behind you, hang up the damn phone and focus on the task at hand, D-bag. I've got a store beef based on that. So I went to the market yesterday, and there's a woman in front of me because only one 
counter is open. The woman in front of me is socially distanced by about 20 feet from the person in front of her. Fine. I'm behind her. Of course, the person in front of her is getting rung up. She forgets something. She leaves. Her cart is now 20 feet in front of the counter. She's nowhere to be found. People are now cutting in front of her, and me like a D-bag is waiting for her to come back and not cutting. I hate, oh, I fr- one thing, one thing, guy or gal. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-636-8686, Texas. Terry, good to have you. Terry, what's your beef? I got beef with people who shuffle their feet when they walk. No wonder you never get nowhere in life. You walk slow and you're lazy. Slow and steady only applies to imaginary turtles and imaginary marathons. So why don't you do us all a favor, pick up your feet and get some ambition. The whole world ain't your ice skating rink, Nancy Kerrigan. You better hope wherever it is you live, there's never a fire. Because the only way you're getting out is when the firefighters hear your panic-stricken slides going up and down the steps. Help! Go Bills. I'm out. My man. Normally, I would say, get in, get out, set it up, knock it down. I actually like that. That's why I gave him some room. Pick up your damn feet. Pick up your damn feet, Nancy Kerrigan. No wonder you're not getting anywhere in life. You're shuffling your feet. Let's go to San Antonio, Ken in SA. What's up with you, Ken? What's your beef? Hey, Jimmy. Um, I got a beef with Sexy Santa in commercials. I don't want a tan, muscular, Goatee wearing, buzz cut Santa. I want my Santa fat, pale, and with a full beard, just like my mom. <laughs> Come on, dude. Stay in your lane. And by staying in your lane, I mean stay the hell off the phones, Ken. 1 800 636 8686. What do you say we go to Houston, George? Good to have you, George. What's your beef? Sir Oliver Rome's a lot. What's good, baby? What's, uh, what's up? Hey, man, my beef is with my neighbor across the street, man. I'm a truck driver. So every time I come back, this walking bag of pork rinds will take his lawnmower and cut out a little square in my yard. Look here, you Jerry Jones lookalike. The next time you come in my yard and do that, I'm going to let my Rottweiler out on you, player. (laughs) My man, George. That's a real beef right there, dude. He's not playing, player. I like that guy. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Norman, Robert. Robert, what's your beef? Hey, hey, Jim, my beef is with you and anybody in America that tries to tell me that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is not a Christmas movie. The plot is based around terrorists during Barabond, plus the movie was released in July of 1988. Christmas movies are not released in the summer. Or candy corn. My man, it's like the worst take ever, and it's wrong. It's not only a Christmas movie, it's the best Christmas movie. It's not only the best Christmas movie, it's arguably the greatest movie ever made. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Why is... Beef rejected, brah. You can beef. I've said this a million times. I don't care what you beef about. You can beef about anything you want. Sports, non-sports, family, friends, work, life, anything you want. Except whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Of course it's a Christmas movie. It's the best Christmas movie. Man, stop with that. Get that crap out of here. Don't bring that crap around here, troll.
And you're wrong. You're wrong. I would say you're entitled to your opinion, and you are, no matter how wrong it is. That's just not smart. Wrong. Wrong. Let's go to Philadelphia. Matt in Philly. Great to have you, Matt. What's your beef? Hey, Jim, thanks for, thanks for the vine. My beef is with my uh, brother-in-law. Cranberry sauce is a sauce. It's in the title. It's not a side. He eats cranberry sauce by the forkful as a side. Uh, one more Guy Fieri. My man, you got a good point. If it, he, he has a good point. If it's sauce, it's not a side. It's sauce. My point is, whatever you want to call it, it's ass. I hate cranberries. I've got no use for cranberries. As a sauce, as a side, as an entree, out of a can, fresh. It's just ass. As a drink, can't stand it. Let's try Phoenix. Pete in Phoenix. Good to have you, Pete. What's your beef? Romy. It's too easy to rip on and beef on Kryler and Coach Dingleberry. What a disaster. I want to beef about the national media not giving Devin Booker more props. 50 points last night. He's carrying the Suns out on their back. He's an MVP candidate, and he should be talked about a lot more than the dumb Lakers Titanic and players that don't want to play like Simmons or J.J. Watt late. That's fair. That's fair. Pete in Phoenix saying, I don't want to talk about Dingleberry and Kryler or the Lakers Titanic. Why are we not talking about Devin Booker? 1-800-636-8686. We are running out of time. Let's try Grand Rapids. Paul. Good to have you, Paul. What's your beef? I just wanted to call and refute that bust you said that. Christmas movies aren't released in the summer. Miracle on 34th Street, arguably the paradigm of Christmas movies, was released in July. My man. That just ends that debate. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. His point was, good job, Paul. Well done. Way to refute that. I did not know that, but way to refute that. He's saying that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie because it's not a Christmas movie. And then he said they don't release Christmas movies in the summertime. But Miracle on 34th Street was released in July. You can drop that damn mic. There you go. There you go. Let's try Sacktown. Clayton. Hey, Clayton, what's up? What's your beef? Hey, Rome. Hey, yeah, my beef is with my wife and kids, man. So I've been listening to you for years now. I've been waiting two years to go to Javier's in Newport. We had a house in Newport for the weekend. Wife grabbed Disneyland tickets instead. Mm. So we weren't able to go to Javier's. So my beef is with the wife and kids. We ended up going to Disneyland instead of Javier's. So uh, I'm out, Rome. Uh, Brother, I feel you. I really do. Disneyland, to some people, I got beef with anybody over the age of 12 that wants to be there. I'm just going to say it. I know I'm going to lose part of the audience, but I don't mind losing that part of the audience. If you're over the age of 12 and you're still obsessed with the mice and the ears, and you'd rather go there than Javier's, I got a beef with you. I I feel you, Clayton. You're right, dude. You're right. Let's go to my man, Matt in Alaska. I love it. 
Matt, what's your beef? Romy, what's going on? If we're going to talk about Christmas since it's December 1st, let's talk about the little bastard that is the elf on a shelf that I have to pretend is here to keep an eye on my children and make sure they're being good. And I have to pretend that nobody can touch him, but he's magically going to appear around the house until Christmas in different spots. You know, I won't touch him until I choke his ass out and throw him out of the house. War having a social beef and a phone call beef in the same beef segment. Jimmy, I'm out. Yeah, man. It's my man, Matt. It's my man, Matt. Nice job. Rack him. Well done. Am I walking off on that, Chalk? Rack him. Let's do it. There is your beef segment. Nice job, Matt. Well done. Good job. Clones, there you go. We do it once a week. Like I said, you can beef on anything you want except whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Don't, don't waste your time on that. Don't waste my time. Don't waste your breath. Don't waste our energy. I'm not ho, having it. Ho, there is your ho. beef segment. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Hans. Bubby. We are joined right now by Matt Rule. Matt, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's great to be on here. It's good to have you, Matt. So let me ask you, first things first, you could have taken some time off. In fact, probably as much as you wanted, but you did not do that. In fact, I'm curious, how many days did you actually spend doing nothing football-related before saying, all right, it's time to get back at it? Uh, probably none, <laughs> to be honest with you. I uh, I got started right off the bat. You know, I I got a login, you know, to the video stuff from a friend at another school and just started uh, watching tape and just making sure I stayed current on the game, you know. Hey, Matt, probably none is a great answer. So why did you have that kind of sense of urgency that you had to jump right back in? Because it's, it's you know, football is my passion. Um, you know, if I hadn't taken this job, I'd, you know, I'd probably be talking about football or coaching. I'd coach high school football. I'd coach, you know, I, I love the game. Um, when, I'm driving, when I'm driving through a park and I see kids playing, you know, I, I stop and watch. I mean, I just, I think, uh, I think it's the greatest game that there is. So, uh, I don't coach for anything other than just I love the game. I love being around young people, and I just couldn't see myself not doing it every day. Nebraska head football coach Matt Rule is joining us. All right, so the one thing is, had you waited, there might have been some other opportunities to consider. What was it about this one that you liked so much, and why was this the fit? Well, you know, I, I thought the Nebraska was the perfect fit. You know, when you look at the the resources, when you look at the facilities, when you look at the fan base, you look at the story tradition. Uh, I love the fact that it's in the Big Ten. I love the fact that, you know, my style of football, uh, uh, being physical, running the football, playing great defense, that, that fits Nebraska. And uh, I, I was really excited about the commitment that's always been here, going back to Tom Osborne uh, for player development. Uh, that's really who I am. You know, I've always been proud of the guys I've coached at Temple and at Baylor, seeing them go on to the National Football League, seeing them become great players. And uh, there's no one more committed to that than in Nebraska and its history and uh, met, met the people here and just knew that it was the right time. You know, I can remember the first time, Matt, it's been a long, long time, but I can remember when I first got started and especially when I first got into TV in the early 90s, the first time I went to Nebraska, I was blown away. I was just blown away by the passion. I was blown away by the energy, the knowledge, the love of the program. In fact, those were the glory days, of course, but it was an amazing thing to see firsthand. You mentioned Tom Osborne. I know you spoke to him before you took that job. What was that conversation like? Well, I was I was obviously uh, nervous because it's Tom Osborne, but uh, um, you know he was great. I you know I just and I, I called him and said, "Hey, listen, Coach, I you know I need you need you to 
bless this. You know, I'm not going to come there if, you know, uh, if you're not, if you're not uh, okay with this. And he laughed and said, Matt, you don't need my blessing, but I'm glad you're here. And anything I can do for you, you know, I'm always a resource. So, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the great, great gentlemen of the game, one of the great coaches in the history of the game. And it's great to talk to him. Matt Rule is joining us. I'm kind of chuckling that you were actually intimidated or kind of a, it's kind of a surreal moment for you, but Tom Osborne is a legend of the game as well. You know, you were not gone that long from the college game, but how much has the sport changed in the short period that you were away? Well, I think the changes in, you know, roster construction and recruiting are, are you know, huge, you know, um, transfer portal, NIL opportunities for the guys. So I think a lot of the things about bringing players to your program are probably different, you know, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, my, my belief is always going to be that uh, the guys that you really want to coach, the guys that you can win with, uh, they want, they want to get an education. They, they want to have a great experience. They want to have a chance to win and they want coaches and teammates who are, who are bought into the same thing. So uh, we're going to look for guys that, you know, want to be Cornhuskers. We're going to look for guys that are bought into the way that we do things. And, um, uh, you know, it's changed the way you recruit guys. Maybe have changed a little bit, but the program and the culture that you build once they're here, it's still the same. So, Matt, to that point, the way, quote, the way we do things, like why do you think that you had as much success as you did at Temple and Baylor? And if that approach worked in those two places, is there any doubt in your mind that it will work in Nebraska as well? Yeah, I have no doubts that it'll, it'll work here. It won't be easy. You know, it was really, really hard what we did at Temple, uh, you know, uh, we started off, you know, two and 10 the first year, you know, we fought to get to six and six. And so, uh, but the recipe has always been the same, find, find the right people, both in terms of coaches, in terms of staff, and in terms of players, and then uh, have high, high standards for everybody, starting with myself and uh, drive it every day and, and don't treat players based upon their ability level. You know, uh, guys can come into your program a, a myriad of different ways, but treat them all uh, the way you'd like to be treated. And, you know, that's how you get guys like Hassan Reddick that go from, um, you know, being a walk-on to, to being a first-round draft pick, being one of, the, one of the elite players in the National Football League. Uh, you coach everybody. And when you do that, uh, you have a healthy team. Everyone feels valued. Uh, we're going to start that process here. Uh, you know, we have a lot of work to do, but uh, we, we'll, we'll find a way to get there. We are talking to Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. Matt, you mentioned staff. Mickey Joseph, who was the team's interim coach for nine games, was arrested on suspicion of strangulation and third-degree domestic assault. What was your reaction to that news? Well, you know, I was I was obviously surprised. You know, I, I had I had met Mickey once. Uh, you know, just prior to that, I was scheduled to actually talk to him again uh, yesterday, and uh, you know, so you know, I, I was just shocked and surprised, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, everything's resolved in a, in, a, in, a, in a good way. Have you spoken to him? I spoke to him before all of this uh, happened. You know, I, we met the, you know, I kind of met with the whole staff, all the guys that had been here before, and we were scheduled to meet again yesterday. Um, but then, you know, obviously, obviously things have changed since then. Talking about rule, you know, Matt, you mentioned Hassan Reddick and some of the others that you've had before you. I'm kind of curious, like when you look back at the NFL experience overall, how would you characterize the NFL experience for you? And are you glad you did it? I'm definitely glad I did it. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, a tremendous challenge and, um, uh, you know, I enjoyed the players there. I enjoyed uh, Charlotte. I enjoyed Carolina and the people that were there. And, uh, you know, I, I put my heart and soul into it. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't work out that way. But, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of one of those guys who really, really believe. You know, I've, I've told my players for years, you know, like, you know, hey, something bad happens. What's next? You know, uh, something good happens. What's next? And so it was a time for me in my life where I had to go practice what I've preached to guys for so long. You know, it didn't work out the way I wanted. I was let go. And, um I didn't feel sorry for myself. You know, I got up the next day, you know, I, 
I uh, worried about my family. I tried to do football you know, a little bit on the side and waited for this opportunity. And so uh, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely glad that I did it because uh, I'm way, way better uh, as a man and as a coach for having gone through that. I think that's a really interesting response. I think that says a lot. I think it's easy to say, hey, you got to act this way when something like this happens until something like that happens and it hasn't happened before. I think that's really <laughs> interesting. You know, one quick thought. If they had given you more time, if they had given you more time, do you think that you would have done what they hired you to do? Yeah, I believe so. I, I you know, I'll, I'll always believe that. You know, I, I'll always believe that. You know, uh, we were following a plan. But, but I'll just say this: uh, you have to win along the way enough to to see the plan through. So that that's I didn't I didn't win enough. I didn't win enough this year. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Jim. I, I would pre- have preferred not to get fired at one four. You know, um, if you had, you know, I would rather got through the middle of the year. You know, uh, you know, you see what the Coach Rivera is doing, you know, doing right now. He started out, I think, one and four, and, and and they've made a run. So I believed in that team, and I felt like, you know, we had the guys to go win the NFC South. And I, they're sitting there right now. They're three and one. They're a play away from, you know, being four and zero. Oh. And so um, I, I I felt like it was going to work, uh, but it didn't work out that way. And so I did say, what's next? And uh, I'm in a great situation now. You are. You know, Matt, you mentioned Ron Rivera. I actually had him on this show yesterday, and we talked about that very thing. Like, they did start 1-4, and four, and I said, what was it like in that locker room? Did anybody let go of the rope? Did anybody point the finger and say, what now? And he said, no, no, we, we had a common belief, and we fought through it, and they've won 6-7. of seven. So one last thought. Every coach, Matt, talks culture, and there's a reason for that. It's important, right? So how would you describe the culture you're looking to establish at Nebraska? Yeah, I always feel like, uh, you know, um, your philosophy is what you say, you, you know, you, you stand for, as you say, you want to do your cultures, you know, the kind of the aggregate results of that. Like, does everybody, does everybody do what you say you're going to do? And we, we want to have a culture of work. I mean, we want to wake up every day, like the people in Nebraska, like the people watching uh, this, this right now. I mean, we want to get up every day and we want to work. And uh, uh, to me, that's the only way to be successful. And, uh, you know, people, bricklayers, they don't, they don't, you know, they don't lay one brick and then step back and see how it looks then lay another. They, they just keep laying bricks, brick by brick until something's built. And so I want our, our guys to have that culture that we're tough. We work hard every day and then we compete at everything we do. And um, if you do that over time, uh, uh, if you, if you reward the guys who are that, who believe in that, um, you know, you're a really hard team to beat. So one last thought, when you talk to Trev Alberts and you thought about your vision and you listen to his vision, how do you approach it? Like, do you want to be really aggressive with the transfer portal or do you prefer a program that develops players that are going to be there? Yeah, I will always, um, I will always look at every means to bring players in. Uh, with that being said, you know, I, my passion, my love is, is having guys for three, four, five years of watching them go from high school to graduates and watching them get, get graduate degrees. And I think when you see the best teams right now, you know, across college football in the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of teams that really still recruit high school kids well and then supp- you know, supplement that with transfer portals. So we're in a situation now where, you know, we have to obviously come in and, and rebuild and, and restart a little bit. Um, so we'll always use a transfer portal. And there'll be lots of kids that, you know, hopefully if they see the culture that we've built, will want to be a part of it. And so they'll, they'll, they'll be drawn here. I think the key is to, to not bring guys here for the wrong reasons. They've got to want to come here because they, they want to win. They want to win for Nebraska. They want to be developed into pro players. They want to get an education and they want to work. 
I think that it is a storied program. It's an amazing program. I think that part of the country has some of the nicest, most passionate fans that I've ever been around. I think it's going to be fascinating to see, Matt. I really appreciate the conversation. I appreciate you coming on and talk about it. Really good to have you on the show, Matt. Thanks so much for doing that, and I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you. Really appreciate you. Good night now!